recording. Hey, hey, Adam. We're at, we're at, man. I'm re- this is really hard to do with one hand. Um, we're at Gridlife Game Night. Uh, we're we're playing with arcade games, right? Right. We now. should be working, but we're not. Well, I don't feel like setting up more simulator rigs. What are you doing? I'm uh, trying to get our levels okay. Yeah, how are our levels? Shitty. I'm playing Pole Position Two, a Namco game from You're 1993. You're always playing with your pole position. Yeah, it's true, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how's Vegas, Abe? Sleepy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Pretty sleepy. You came out here with Ashley. Uh, yep. you, guys, you guys flew out Tuesday night? Yeah, we got in at about 10 o'clock. You, uh, you were at SEMA yesterday with her. What did she think of SEMA? Uh, it's overwhelming. Lot, too much to see. This is the coolest man. I don't know how to start this pole position. All right. Well, look at this sweet feel. Ah, I blew it up. I was, I was hanging you're, with the pack, You're dude. bad at this game. Yeah. It's a really, really hard game. <laughs> Super bad graphics. All right. So, um, what, uh, yeah, what did Ashley think of SEMA? Uh, Overwhelming? We, we hoofed it for a little while. Um, because we're cheap, we took the monorail, uh, which meant that to get to the show and to leave the show took an forever. hour. Yeah, yeah, it was an hour the each monorail's way. monorail's so slow. Why is it so slow? Because there's only like four cars. It's really slow. It it's really it's silly. There should be like 15 cars, just like the L in Chicago. We should find a lounge to sit at. I, I would like that. Here. Pick your thing up. Um, so, yeah, we're at the eSports Arena, uh, and there's a bunch of video game consoles around. We brought a bunch of we brought IndyCar 500. That's a cool one. You ever played that one? No, I've never played that. We, cool. we got uh, Golden Tee, and we've got Big Buck Wild <laughs> HD. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, Steam is uh, interesting. It's like it's very busy. Yeah, Vegas is weird, man. It's like um, a weird scene. And you were up super late last night. I was. We went to Old Vegas with like half the Formula Drift Field and Hoonigan. Um, Nads was super drunk, like always. Usual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That uh, the bar we were at, I think uh, Hogs and Heifers or something. I don't know. It was uh, really loud, and I, I still smell like smoke. I'm still mad. Yeah. So. Uh, I left my earplugs on the kitchen table at my house, and Ashley moved them to my desk in my office. And, then my, and then my dog ate one of my earplugs. What, uh, what do you use the earplugs for? Good life. What, sleeping? No, I use them like anytime we're anywhere that's loud. Oh, okay. You, you should give it a try. Maybe you'd preserve your hearing. Yeah, I probably should. Like, what kind of earplugs are they? Uh, West Tone. So okay. I really like them. I think they're maybe twenty five bucks. Like digital things, and no, they no, like just just really nice earplugs. Okay, but I I haven't noticed you wearing them. I, yeah, I'm always <laughs> wearing them. Okay. Um, and somehow I couldn't find any orange ones in your pit box. So no, I took them out. They were in the trailer, I think, one of the upper doors in the trailer. You just kind of need those everywhere. The like yeah. the grid is a really loud place. It's man. pretty loud there. I never wear earplugs. I really should. So we got into the uh, the fun haver yesterday. Yeah, that's true. We were in the truck. Vern Griffin Jr. drove us around the, the, the course. And like like the true drift experience, we had to have our cell phones out and record everything. Yeah, and then we um, almost dropped our cell phones when and we then hit the jump. I wasn't paying attention, <laughs> and I hadn't seen him go over the jump at all in it's the time that jump. we were standing there. And then when we got in the car, mm-hmm. we did go over the jump, and my we phone did. almost went out the window. It was a pretty good jump. Yeah, it was. A um, little snappy in the back there too. Kind of impressed with the uh, the Raptor. It's uh, pretty pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Is that a, like an RTR truck or is that a Raptor? I I think it might be a Raptor no, RDR. It was cool, but yeah, they're doing drift demos and all kinds of stuff. And um, yeah, this so is my see, first drift experience. Really, never been a, never been in a never drift been. Car. I'm always working, man. How am I supposed to get in a drift car? Uh, I figured you had been in a drift car. You're not always working. You're riding around like Luke McGrew in a Viper all the time. Uh, not at festivals. Oh, whatever. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. I guarantee you rode with Luke at a festival. <laughs> uh, that might be true. Did I tell you that we got? Because uh, I know that people love it when I talk about Luke on the podcast, yeah. especially Derek. Derek does love it. Um, <laughs> my neighbor, <laughs> we got her into the car with Luke, and she yeah. was super into it. Your na- uh, your neighbor that likes to party? Yep. Yeah, they're fun. I like them. They are fun. What events did they come to? They came to a couple events. Didn't they, they came to Midwest. Midwest. I thought they were in another one. And uh, Graham, who is my neighbor. He is a ginger, so he was very happy to be at a place where the track was named after him. Mm-hmm. He is the ginger he man. Is. 
yeah, fun people. They uh, they partied. They and they Saturday also partied night, with Matt Williams. Yeah. Um, and somehow Matt Williams ended up in my bed that night. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was weird. That's cool. <laughs> was Ashley in bed too? No, no. I went to sleep and they was they stayed up. Okay. And the next day I asked, "Hey Matt, were you in the bed with me last night?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "No." And then only to f- realize later that yeah, that happened. Like you slept with Matt Williams all night? Mm, he tried to get me out of bed. I don't think that worked. Where was Ashley? She was up. She was, she was still partying. Playing beer pong. She or went something. to bed at like six o'clock last night. Yeah, yeah, she did. It's a long day. I stayed up for twenty four hours straight. That was stupid. <laughs> but when? Last night. Yesterday. You didn't. You didn't sleep this morning. No, um, I, I was up for twenty four hours straight, and then I went to bed for four hours. Oh and yeah. Here. Um, it's a game night experience. We did that last year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I woke up at what would have been two o'clock in the morning here to get to the airport. Um, I woke up because Emma was up and was eating candy, so I had to hang out with her for an hour. And then my Uber came, went to the airport, flew here, did seam of things all day. Uh, went to a couple parties, hung out at the Cosmo, ate super hot chicken. Super hot chicken. I had the hottest, and uh, you said you're feeling it from the middle. But yep. the hottest, I feel great today. Nope, no, not burping it up. Me. It was great. I so got those had old man stomach. You should have had the, the really hot chicken. It was good, though. Uh, yeah, it was Hattie B's. It was good. Um, but yeah, I was up, up for 24 hours straight, and I, at the end of it, like I didn't know what was happening anymore. That's the longest I'd stayed up in a while. But probably since yeah. last year. Probably since this event last year. Yeah. Because last year when we were here, we uh, we came in on a Thursday morning and we spent all day Thursday setting up the brand yeah. new sim rigs. I think you, I think we left my house at like f- 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And like we got here and everything needed to be done that day, and I had basically a panic attack because I was worried about getting it done on time. Yeah. And. We did game night, then we stayed up super late. We slept for a couple of hours, and then we were up all day Friday, schlepping stuff, yeah, putting it into storage, into a box truck, yep. and then we left to take the red eye that night. Yeah, we that flew on Spirit, and it was the worst. No, I, thought, I thought we flew United that uh-uh. time. No, that was Spirit. because if you were if you're going to be up for like I don't know forty five out of forty eight hours, taking the red eye back on Spirit is not a good choice. No, it's a bad time. I hate Spirit so much. I took Spirit here, and it's terrible. It's still properly terrible. Hasn't well, changed much. And you're you're kind of tall, so I don't really know how that works. Mm, poorly. You just poorly. your knees are in the backside yeah, of uh, the guy. Um, luckily, I had the aisle this time, but uh, uh, getting in the middle or the window seat on a Spirit plane is it's my nightmare. It's my hell. Yeah. It's so bad. Four hours sitting in there, cramped up, knees jammed into the back of that hard plastic. What's annoying seat. is that they do seem to have the most like. Uh, like the most favorable flight option. Yeah, that's the, like, r- that's the yeah, reason I took you it. You need to direct to Las Vegas. This is this is what is the most convenient. Yeah, got to go to L.A. Here, here's your here's your cheap flight at a time that you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Abe, you went. Uh, do you want to talk about RVs? I do. You went camping. So did I. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, where'd you guys go? Uh, like south, almost to Evansville, yeah. uh, Indiana, which is like. We, we basically drove south to Louisville and then west for okay. maybe an hour. And we went to... It was in Kentucky? O- O'Bannon Woods. No, it was in Indiana, Indiana but it was okay. pretty far south. Um, and we, we towed my car on the dolly, which yep. was super convenient. And then we, we parked the, the motorhome and then just used the car to zip around everywhere. Yep, that's, what we, that's what Sarah and I do. We, uh, I have a dolly, too, and we throw her car on it. And, uh, yeah, works great. And you throw a bunch of crap. You throw bikes in the car. Well, she was asking stuff. me about, uh, like, flat towing. And I, I don't know what you need to do... Uh, on a manual car, like a Honda, it's not a big deal. Uh, a lot of automatic cars, you can't just put them in neutral oh. because they need, like, the pump to be running to yeah, circulate right. fluid. Otherwise, things burn up in the trans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some automatic cars that work and some don't. So you got to research it. But So what kind of hardware do you need on, like, the front bumper to be able to do it? Uh, they, they sell kits for it. Okay. Um, and then I think you leave the steering wheel unlocked, mm-hmm. and it just kind of like turns, follows itself. But I've never actually towed a car that way. How many miles do you put on the motorhome this year? Uh, I think I put on the uh, this year on the old motorhome I put six thousand um, in like April and May in June. Jeez! And I sold it, and then the new one I put pushing seven thousand miles on it. So we haven't recorded a C-Class uh, since you've done really anything. I think we were talking about yeah, you I buying just got a motorhome. It. I had just gotten it. Um, I bought mine in July. Yeah. And 
I, I think I put about 4000 on it this year. Yeah. And my tax man says that I can uh, claim that mileage as a business expense. So I'm going to depreciate my motorhome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm doing that too, I think. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm doing that too because I would like to get a refund this year because I could use it. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I sold my old motorhome to... Um, uh, I think he's a podcast listener now out in Texas. He's buddies with Derek Ch- uh, Clay. Um, and... Uh, Buddies with Derek out in Austin, or he, I think he's in Dallas area, um, and he is—he's got a spot to park it next to his building. He owns TrackDecals.com. Actually. Okay. Um, so if you follow them, you'll see my RV uh, maybe in some Instagram posts or something. But yeah, he—he basically cuts track decals and does liveries, and he has a vinyl company. That's so, cool. Um, he does a lot of track days. Uh, he seems like he's in it a lot. So I think he wants to live in it. It might be actually living in it next to his building too. He's got like a sewer and water hookup. And uh, he wanted to like live in the RV uh, to save money, not have an apartment for a while. Oh, so, nice! Uh, I don't know if he's doing it, but he was talking about it. So I saw Dewey at SEMA yesterday. Yep. He stopped by the booth, and he told me that he and his wife are shopping for an old C class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked to him a bunch about it because we basically just he almost sold him on mine. the idea. He almost bought mine. No kidding! I talked to him a bunch about it, yeah. uh, and then Clay came up with bucks first. So, well, like. I mean, if you're going to the track a lot and you have a family and children, yeah. it's like the perfect situation. It works really well. So my biggest gripe about RVs is it's like it's all the maintenance of a house, uh, a poorly built house, uh, and it's all the maintenance of an old truck at the same time. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> but I mean, like the big maintenance item that I'm concerned about right now is at some point I'm going to have to uh, redo all the sealant on the roof. Yeah, that's um, easy. It, it might be easy, but no, it's not like hard. doing the water system. So uh, in July, you we took a it lot. to Autobahn, yeah. um, found a decent water leak that could have been really, really it, bad. It had saturated some wood, too. Yep. The floor was almost not savable in that yeah. spot. Um, but we basically ripped all the flooring up, pulled the couch out. Yeah, it was a water tank that you couldn't actually access because it was like under the fixed couch. Yep. Um, but like, I, I guess I learned a lot in the process cause we kind of just pulled everything out and we ripped all the carpet up yep. and we redid the floor, which was convenient. Um, it was a pain in the ass because everything is an edge, yeah. which required like a custom fit everything. cut piece. Everything. Um, you put, you probably put like six pieces down that were uncut. Right? Oh yeah. Th- that yeah. part was easy, but yeah. trimming around the bathroom was like, yep. Just awful. Um, yeah, the, uh, but RVs, the, RVs are small, so you don't get big areas to just lay flooring. Like the... Um, the cool part about working on the the C class though was, it's just it's just a wooden box. Yeah. And Super all of the stuff that you need is basically inside. And most of it is exposable. Like you open a cabinet up and like there's a thing. Like yep. Everything is pretty accessible. So um, I had I replaced the water pump because it was leaking there and yeah. like I'm not a plumber. Is it a fitting or the pump itself? Uh, it was the pump itself was leaking. Oh, okay. Um, but I, there were a bunch of, like, screw-on fittings themselves that were leaking, too. Right. And I just, I, I replaced everything. Uh, a water pump for an RV is, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. And did you get a SureFlow or something like that? I think I did, yeah. yeah and it's, it's just an on-demand pressure water pump. Yep. yep. And it's it's basically just, like, two wires. Yep. You know, hot and a ground. And yeah. um, I, I used push-to-connect fittings wherever I could. Yeah. And so I just got, like, the PEX-type uh, plumbing and just right. fixed it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty basic. It couldn't have been simpler. Um, and it's like a daunting thing until you just like take it apart and you're like, I guess I got to put it back together. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is actually really easy. So one thing uh, I found out this week. Uh, so I just winterized the RV last weekend right. and I did see that. Um, so water pumps have an anode to like prevent corrosion and like build up. Not water pumps. Uh, Sorry, uh, water heaters. Water heaters, yeah. Uh, and um, like the, the hot water has smelled awful. Right. Even though we flushed the tank out a bunch it's of times, that bad though. And I ran, oh yeah, it's bad. Really. And I ran vinegar through the system and like tried to get rid of some of that deposit. It smells like sulfur. Yeah. And because uh, it was probably filled with well water, it's entirely. It, yeah, and that's why everything's kind of yellow. Um, oh, hi, Sean. <laughs> is that Sean Fenton? Yeah, it was. Oh my God. Um, and when I winterized it, the first thing you do is you pull out that anode. Yeah. And drain the tank. Right. And uh, there was no anode in there. It was just. A plug. Yeah. It's like and a three-quarter plug 
or three quarter inch NPT plug. Yep. Just stuck. And in so there. what I'm going to try and do, I, I, I'm guessing the reason that it's in there is the the line for propane to run to the water heater right. is literally in the way for where you would load okay. in that anode. Yeah. And I maybe I just have to bend it or put like some uh, yeah, 90 fittings in it or something, but. I'm guessing the reason they never put it back was just because it was a pain in the neck. Yeah. So well, I'll have to fix it that. It might in never have had one too. Possible. But it should be easy. Yeah. The uh, you use the pink antifreeze. Yep. The non-toxic. Yep. That's good. You don't want to uh, ingest a bunch of green antifreeze next year. Bad, bad, no. bad, bad. You also probably don't want to drink the water out of your. <laughs> no, I I think it would just be weird because it seems like it'd be unsanitary because yeah. you've just got like water sitting around there for we, extended uh, periods i usually throw like a cap full of bleach just like you know bleach cap oh sure toss that in there just enough where it doesn't smell like bleach okay um, but i usually every time every couple of times i'm filling it up i'll throw one of those in okay just to kill any potential bacteria well, that's a good know. idea and um, make sure you don't get any like algae or yeah, anything grown in exactly. there exactly um i don't fill up with well water i did a couple times this year normally i don't i did a couple times this year uh, and you can smell the well water a little bit, so yep. I got to make sure I drain all that. I still have to winterize mine. It's inside my building at work, so I'm not. As yeah, it must be nice it. to have a building that you can park a bus inside. It of. is right now. It is right now. If we ever get rid of the building, I'm going to be sad. But, yep. Um, we've got we've got some mods to do on the uh, on the RVs, and you have a. Uh, I did a lot of mods so far in mine. Did you do the underglow that you wanted to do? No, I did all the LED lights though. Um, all the lights are exterior, LED and exterior, except for the rear tail lights. Now I haven't changed those, um, but uh, so that's a project. Um, I need to do the the porch light. My porch light doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, I think the ground on it's probably just not great. Yeah, so I need to take that off and replace it. Just get an LED one. Change change as many bulbs as you can to LED too. Yep. Like exterior, interior, everything, and it just usually those electrical systems aren't all that heavy duty, uh, so it's always just easier and everything and. When you're going on the road with a jillion lights on, it's easier in your alternator too. Yep. Um, my I, my my charging is like noticeably higher now at night with LEDs. <laughs> so. uh, the other thing I need to do uh, there's a switch panel um, on the stove right. for like all the controls, and uh, some of those switches are broken. And okay. one of them that's broken is the water level sensor yep. for the fresh tank, which means that it, when I fill the tank, I basically just like fill it until it's overfilled yeah. and it's like pouring out yeah, everywhere and normal. then just drain it out but yep. um i'd like to fix those switches i just need to find uh, replacements is, are, that is the are wiring on the tank okay like the i think so yeah sensors yep, yep. um yeah a couple of um, my, that's the one thing that's broken on my water system is the the water levels on the tank uh they're there but like everything just is corroded it's, it's underneath the rv so i gotta i gotta work on that i'm gonna reinforce my water con the compartment too it's got like a night or 100 gallon tank just sitting in the compartment okay um and i reinforced underneath of it and and like people had like spilled water in there for 20 years and so the plywood was saturated and gross i ripped that out put a new piece of plywood in and i put two steel pieces underneath but i think this winter i'm going to run some straps underneath the tank and up onto like the frame above it like the floor uh, to make sure that 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 compartment isn't like taking the bounce of the tank all oh, the sure. and just in case something dis does break the tank doesn't fall out and i run it over um but uh, that that compartment is the only like rust on the rv is that framework of that compartment because it got wet for 20 years you know uh, and it was fairly rusty so so one thing um coming back from road america one thing i definitely noticed this is the first time i've ever slept in the rv while it was being driven oh yeah um I was exhausted and we were on the north side of Chicago, like, you know, by the, the oases, like way okay. far north. And I, I said to Matt, I was like, I can't, oh, Matt I can't, I can't drive anymore. Can yeah. you drive? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And so uh, we changed spots and I just went to the back and crashed. Yeah, I forgot that he ran, that he came up with you, um, which was I was super grateful that he was around. He brought you your dolly, right? That's right. That's, the dolly is that's awesome. And then he came up with you to the track. Yep. And uh, one of the things that I noticed when I woke back up is I absolutely have an exhaust leak yeah. back by the tailpipe. I you know it's it? there. Oh, yeah. Inside? Uh, definitely. Okay. And uh, I don't think I have one up front. I know that the V10s get cracked manifolds, and that's right. a thing. Um, but I don't, like, the, the symptoms I've read about for that are, like, really loud ticking up front in the yeah. driving. And uh, You'll hear it. You'll, I you'll did the oil change on, on it kind of at the end of the year and i put synthetic in instead of um what was in there before yeah and the the sound of the engine changed a lot it really? sounds like it's running really well interesting um but i don't hear 
an exhaust problem yeah, you, you, it'll sound like an exhaust leak underneath um, um that's super common on a lot of fords from that era so i broken i need to i need to take it up to south holland and get some exhaust work done we should probably it does the exhaust like come out in the middle of the uh the truck too or yeah it's like um it's behind the the entry door um just just uh behind the, okay. the tire um might be a good idea for us to poke it out a few more inches and like turn it down also sure because you it might actually be just kind of like rolling around in the air pocket behind the rv and then like coming in through your windows well, and i i haven't had much time to like really look for it um and no one around me can help work on cars but yeah. if you like if you put a towel up on the exhaust and just like try and block it uh you can hear the exhaust coming out somewhere else okay um, well, just, just, just by air moving and fire I just it up and it. roll around on a creeper and find the leak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should probably extend it out a little bit too, and then like maybe turn it down in a way, and that might keep some of the. I noticed on my on my current one that I can smell it coming like uh, some of the exhaust. I could smell it coming through the windows. Okay. Because like it's a, you're pulling a huge pile of air behind you, mm -hmm. and that exhaust is like tumbling around. Right. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change how mine goes out also. I'm gonna probably make it dump. Uh, and go straight behind the RV instead of come out the side and kick. Well, down. and the old but one sounded so awesome when you straight piped it. I, I really did. think I'm gonna that's do a thing pipe. you should do. I'm gonna pull the hundred pound muffler out too. Mm -hmm. It's like a hundred pounds. I would like to buy a Flowmaster muffler and put that on. Yeah, you man, think we can okay. do that? Gotta get one of them Flowmasters. We'll just go to AutoZone <laughs> and pick one up, and yeah, that's super easy. Probably just put a bigger exhaust on it too. It might actually help mileage. I've heard that's a thing. Yeah, it probably would. It probably sound cool too. V10 yeah. sound dope. Um, so yeah, we we just went camping too. The second time I've gone camping with the girls in the new old RV, um, but we did a ton of work to it uh, inside. I changed a lot of lights. I ripped the entire ceiling down. Um, I did a plank style or beadboard plank style ceiling, um, and uh, looks really cool. We're gonna paint it white. It's uh, raw right now, but um, the ceiling uh, basically had like the carpeting had gotten gross because it was shut forever uh like just sat closed and condensation formed up sure. on the carpeting and it was nasty uh so i just ripped it all out and then i used construction adhesive and little brad nails to, to hold the nail to hold the new floor uh, the new ceiling up uh pretty happy with that and then i built i took uh i took the table and threw it away and i built like a kind of like a a bar style table against mm. the big window when you walk in the rv it's off to the left there oh yeah, yeah. um and we just have a couple of chairs next to it and it worked great for Emma. I mean, she was sitting up there coloring the entire time, the entire weekend. Like whenever we were in the RV, she's just that was she was doing crafts and coloring and making messes. But she's got a place for it now. You know, it's like a six foot long. Oh, that's awesome. Six foot long countertop now. Um, so that worked out good. And uh, and then we did. Uh, uh, I did new lighting up on the top. I did. Like ar around the perimeter of the ceiling, uh, there was like tray lights or something. Yeah, right? there I did the LED rope lights. There was regular, uh, there was like uh, it wasn't LEDs back then, but they were like incandescent, like like strand lights up there, and they got hot too. Oh yeah, for Pulled sure. Pulled a lot of power. Um, so I converted those to like a warm LED, and then I bent. It almost looks like a gutter. I bent like a a piece of aluminum to act like kind of like a crown mold, and then the light shines up through it. Cool. And it looks pretty cool. Looks really sharp, so especially once the ceiling is white, it's gonna look pretty good. And I started building a new. I ripped all the the TV thing up like above the driver passenger area. There was an old TV and some like nasty cabinets, uh, and they were gross because the lights on the fiberglass like front clam. There's five lights up top, and they were all leaking. Like Jeez. so, you'd be in a rainstorm, and it would like soak the wood plywood box behind it. So it was nasty up there. Yeah, like those gross. lights were just screwed into the fiberglass. And you could see like water like dripping out of the oh, thing that's when you're when it's raining. So I put new LEDs up there, sealed them all up with. I set them, I pressed them into like some heavy duty OSI quad caulk and stuff. Um, rewired everything, and I started building like the. I'm gonna, I'm basically just gonna have a big shelf up there, so we can put our bags like a, you know 12 inches high, so you can slide all your duffel bags and uh, just a just a general catch-all shelf. So I built, I started building that. That were, that was that's gonna be nice. So uh, one of the things that. that um, was was funny about mine when I bought it was the uh, there was an electric step yeah. that was supposed to open and close basically when the the vehicle was parked and it was stuck in the open position right. which is kind of an awkward place yeah and you can and catch it on things I too. did everything I could to try and figure out how to turn the motor manually or like right. disconnect it and kind of get it to to loosen up yeah 
and finally I just got tired of wasting the time and there's a kind of a mechanical arm that was uh, like some kind of cast steel yeah. that moved this this step yeah. and I thought about just taking everything off and buying a new one and I was like oh that, that seems silly so I got a sawzall out and I just cut the arm I cut the arm yeah. and moved it as far out of the way as I could yeah. and then just drilled a hole that I could put a D-ring clip in yeah. You got that idea from me. I told you. I, that. Yeah, exactly. Worked and, really good, and it's perfect. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not going to fix mine. <laughs> no, this is exactly how I want it. You climb down, you slide the thing in. It takes like two seconds, yep. and it's very sturdy. Yeah. So I, I made sure to cut or to, to drill the hole uh, in, in the step yeah, that was the, like just the right size, so the D ring is really tight fitting. The step yeah. is probably more secure than it was. Yeah. Um, with uh, the motor, I've probably seen uh, since I've had an RV. I like see every RV that goes on the highway. I've probably seen. 20 RVs with like a step out and like bent because they clearly like drove away with it, uh, you know, to like down. Um, and I've seen them, I've seen one that uh, that was half out. I saw a big electric one hanging out, like a big, big class, uh, big class A had it had like a two step that, that slid out. That he's driving on the road with that thing sticking out. Uh, I think it's uh, the, the thing that I did with mine to keep me from doing that is I have like a it's like a small hitch pin, and it's got the cotter pin on a, a little piece of cable. And so I have to clip it back up in there, or else I hear the cotter pin dragging. Like, ting, 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 mm. ting, ting, ting. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so if I forget to do it, uh, when I put the step out, I just slide it in. I don't put the cotter pin back up in because it's not going to fall out. Uh, and then twice it saved me because I hear it ting, 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 ting. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And I can hear it. And I pull there over you go. and I put the step up. So. Man, we're talking about dumb RV stuff, aren't well, we? Well, like, th there's only one step into my RV, and the yeah. rest of the steps are inside, yeah. right? So uh, my dad has a travel trailer that has, the, like, the step kit that kind of tumbles yeah, out. Yeah, fold out one, yeah. Um, and I thought about, like, you know, it would be stupid to replace a thing that's just one step. Yeah. And so this was a great compromise, and it seems to just work. Yeah. It's, I think you probably had almost the same one as me. It's just kind of kind of got like an accordion Z-shape uh, mechanism that pulls out. One of the things that I, I don't know... I don't know anything about how to wire an RV, but one of the things I really want to do, you and I, is um, I've noticed that the the tray for the batteries right. is, it looks like it's galvanized steel, yeah. um, but it's underneath the steps, and you can see that it, part of it has rusted out yeah. if you look at it from underneath. That's a, that's a I, normal Ford van place to put the secondary battery. Okay. Um, and so... I think what I'd like to do is just find a simple way to reinforce that just to be confident mm -hmm. those batteries aren't going to tumble out down get the road. Some, get some Harbor Freight ratchet straps, and we'll, uh, we'll just ratchet them up. Perfect. That's what I did in my back batteries, too. I just got an orange Harbor Freight ratchet strap and just put one over each one and cut the strap short, and it worked pretty well. Don't do it on race cars. I don't allow that on, ta on, on track, but it probably worked perfect for an RV. Yeah, just like simple stuff like that. This is not hard solutions, but like I need a buddy who can weld, and you're the only buddy that's... It's pretty easy. Into RVs that can do this. Pretty easy. And I got a I got a building we can actually pull it in and actually and not freeze our butt off in December. And have light because that seems like the kind of the time that we have free to do stuff because yep. uh, besides PRI, um, there's not a lot happening in December and January. Yeah. So, um, I decided what I'm going to do for the livery, <laughs> the quote unquote livery on my uh, RV. I'm oh not yeah. Not going to paint it. Uh, do you remember my CRX? Yeah. It was two different colors of vinyl, like. Just r just random pieces stuck over top of each other. Kind of look like digital camo. I'm going to do the same thing on the RV. So one of the things I was thinking about, um, those fine guys at Professional Awesome, yeah. uh, they owe me a favor. They were going to help me set up the Evo. I gave them a bunch of parts in trade. Right. And, uh, well, I never, I sold the Evo. And yeah. I don't have plans to go crazy with the Civic ever. Yeah. I think we should probably try and, like, make the the RV more aerodynamic. Oh, I we were talking about that when I've I actually talked with Mike Lewin about I it. I think we should do that. Um, I've talked I talked with Mike Lewin kind of like at length about it on my old one. Um, like what would you do? And he was talking, you know, air dam up front and uh, extend the roof back a little bit and But to start the other thing I think we should do is I have like a satellite dish and an antenna on the roof and like yeah, we, we don't have TVs and stuff in there anymore. We ripped yeah. all that out. So like yeah. I kind of want to go just on a diet with it and like yeah. kill all those those things, those systems yeah. that like aren't doing anything anymore. If you're not using it, get rid of it. Yeah, it's just um, drag. Yeah, satellite dishes don't work anymore. Uh, like they literally wouldn't work. Right. Um, 
I am going to put a big flat screen in. I just don't know where I'm going to put it. Uh, but uh, I've thought about getting a Wi-Fi hotspot for the RV. Oh, that'd be perfect. But then you got to pay for it. But That's true. Um, cheap. It, it, yeah, it is pretty cheap. But yeah. Then we can watch Netflix if it rains. It rained like all day Saturday when we went camping. Yeah. And uh, that sucked. It would, like rained hard, too. Yep. Uh, and so I was up on my roof uh, when I before I left. I wanted to inspect the roof, right? And I found a spot. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't, doesn't look like the best spot there. It's it's just it's a different roof too. It's a, a lot of roofs are uh, like a rubber. Uh, this is three pieces of metal. It's okay. A, it's a centerpiece, and then t- and a piece on the outside and a piece on the outside. So there's two seams like five feet apart up the middle of the RV, front to back. Uh, and then like one seam across the middle, um, okay. side to side, because they they use basically six pieces of they rolled out six pieces of sheet metal, um, and so I put seam tape over um, the spot that looked like it would have leaked, and I think I created a a, a worse leak. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> uh, and I had never noticed the ceiling being wet, so I think I created a leak like walking around up there. Oh yeah. Um, like maybe it pushed a screw up through something that I didn't notice or whatever. But so it's pouring rain, and my brand new wood on the ceiling uh, catches a bunch of water, swells up, and bows down. So now I got to fix a spot in the ceiling. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, sealing the roof up is a thing you got to do. And now I have to. I'm gonna. I've thought about a couple of methods to do it on mine. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do, but um, I think I'm gonna do a, like a TPO rubber membrane over top, like three quarters of the middle of the roof and basically fully seal that entire middle pull the air conditioners up and then fully flash around the air conditioners and just seal everything um but it's a giant freaking job it's like a really big job so i have a question this is your opinion um unless i store my rv in my dad's uh barn that he's building yeah um i don't know when it'll be done um, but he's building a 40 by 60 with a roof tall enough to park motorhomes inside yeah um What's Unless I store it, he gonna have room for your RV. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, um, but I think I'm going to continue to pay the parking fee for my spot in Indy, right. just because if I stop paying, I lose my spot. Okay. And I how much is it? Hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Not terrible. But it's not terrible, yeah. but if I do store it there and it starts to snow and get wintry, right? Like, should I put a tarp over the roof and just strap it down, or like, is nah. that not a thing? Uh, some people do it. Uh, it's not the worst idea. The The biggest problem is it does trap a bunch of moisture underneath mm-hmm. of it, typically. And you'll get a lot of algae and like growth underneath if it's up there for a long period of time. Okay. Um, it's not the worst idea, though. Uh, is that better or worse than just leaving it, it exposed? If, if the roof is good, it's fine. Okay. But, um, yeah, if, if it's got a lot of pooling, standing water on it for a long period of time, sometimes that's a problem but not not usually if got the rubber it. roof's in good shape when well, it like doesn't snow a mountain where i live so yeah. i wouldn't expect two or three feet of snow to sit on the roof for any period of time yeah. i wouldn't worry about the weight so much because it's not super super wide but uh if you do get like crazy heavy snow you might want to take a big ladder over there and brush it off you know uh shovel it off carefully something you don't want to gouge into the rubber sure though, but i'll probably uh, just get like a shop room or something yeah and, just and pull do it that. off uh, I you d- you don't do have, have a generator fixed now. I haven't used it yet. Yeah, you did fix it. Um, yeah, it was like a it was a boondoggle with uh, the Cummins uh, engine yeah. in Indianapolis. You actually brought it to Cummins shop. Right? I did, yeah. uh, which was convenient in some ways, but it was like 40 minutes from my house. Right. And uh, on more than one occasion, it was supposed to be done or I was supposed to have an appointment time. Yeah. And someone blew it at the last you minute. You took it there. They took the uh, the generator out, and then you went and got the RV later to use right, it. Right, because I told them I needed it by a certain day to go to Road America, and right. they said, "Oh yeah, that's no problem." And they called me the day before they needed it to, or I needed it to be done to say, "Oh, we haven't even touched it yet." It's just sitting there. It was sitting there, and I was yeah. like, "Come on, guys!" So I went and I picked it up. They yeah. had taken the generator out, and I said, "You know, call me whenever you're ready, and I'll bring it back." And you know, yeah. it's a quick job to reinstall it. And so uh, I wanted the earliest appointment that they had on that day to reinstall. Um, so I needed to be at their place by 7 a.m., right. which means that I left my house at like 6.10. You said it's like 45 minutes away. I, yeah. And I'm like eight minutes from their shop, and they gave me a call. They're like, oh, hey, are you on your way? And yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm almost there. And they mm-hmm. said, well, the tech called off, so uh, <laughs> we can't do it today. That's kind of annoying. You yeah. were sit there and wait, right? Uh, yeah, that was my yeah. plan. And so like, I made a kind of a big stink about it because it was just like everything that – was related to scheduling was handled really really poorly yeah. um and they they charged me a lot 
Yeah. Uh, the repair was actually pretty simple. It was like three hundred dollars. Right. But the service, the labor, labor to take it out and put it back in, they billed me like, I don't know, six or seven hours for. That's probably what it, got, that's so probably what it, it was, took. The original bill was like fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars, and I was like, come on, guys. And that's they they call. knocked it down to a thousand even, and I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, Still a big bill. It was it was a really big bill. But it's a good generator. So. But the other thing was, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to diagnose it or even have the time to do all that stuff by myself. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to try and, like, fix it only to have to pay someone to fix it anyway. Yeah, we, we a couple times were like, yeah, let's try let's try to do it at the track. And that never happens. Nope. Like, you don't There's have just no time for I it. I don't have 10 minutes to look at my car at the track. So. Uh, and then, you know, if you're going to drive it, like, up to my house, that's like, five hours of driving and 150 bucks in fuel yep. and so uh the trip to road atlanta was probably the longest that i'll expect to drive it ever right. um it ran great uh all the way and we were towing levi's car um and i i think for the trip from indianapolis to atlanta and back i mean the fuel economy on that thing is is bad it's a ford v10 it's bad yeah but round trip it was only 350 dollars in fuel it's not terrible. And it, that's like, it's, it's not that much. No. It is. Cheaper than flights. But it's cheaper, cheaper than, than flights, and it's cheaper than hotels. And you can take your dogs. And we took our dogs, which saved us a bunch of money. It saved you, like, as much money as it cost. And I got to take a hot shower at the racetrack yeah. without any cockroaches or poisonous spiders. Don't you norm didn't you normally spend, like, 100 to $200 a weekend yeah. on um, dog care? It's, it's $50 a day to have someone stay at our house and take care of the dogs. Right. Um, and, and you can take you them to a kennel in Indy, but it's about the same price. Yeah. So we just have someone stay at the house. And then you have somebody staying at your house, too. So they're eating your food. And yeah. <laughs> drinking drinking Boone's Farm. Like, yeah. the, uh, weird. Yeah. Um, Probably cost you $100 a day. Yeah. So, like, for us, it really worked out. Well, know? that was the main reason that you got the RV, was to take the dogs with. Yep. And so Ashley's got a place to hang out if, uh, if she's coming with. And it's been super great to, like, make lunch. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> What? Uh, you, you said make something with I've been married L. a long time, man. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I thought you were going to say something else for a second. Um, the, uh, yeah, having your own place to make food and have food Air frying pizza rolls. I mean, like yeah, you've I've fed the team yeah, uh, from the pit cart multiple times. You've walked over many many event with uh, with food. Uh, so like all I, I actually don't make that much food at events. Like I, everybody just brings me food. So now I'm glad somebody else has a kitchen. Yeah, it's it's actually really great. The, uh, the one thing that we didn't do is I, we really need to bring a coffee pot. I yeah. need to just have, like, a, a cheap one that's in it right. that's always just there. Yeah. Because a few times now I've forgotten to bring, like, an electric uh, kettle. Yeah. And so if I want to make instant coffee or something like that, I just don't have it. I have one in the pit cart you can just throw in your RV. Okay. We, we barely ever use it. So. Um, or just go buy, go buy a $40 coffee maker. Need to, yeah. I usually have one in the pit cart. I'm not going to have it in there. We only used it a couple times. I think we used it at Mid Ohio, and then we used it at Road America. When uh, when we went camping recently, we uh, we don't do anything easy. Ashley decided she wanted pumpkin pancakes and bacon. Of course. It ended up kind of awesome though. Like we we used an electric skillet to make the pancakes, okay. and we brought the uh, George Foreman from the house to make bacon, and it like it worked out really well. You have a you have a stove and everything in there, right? Yeah, but we've never used it. Yeah. Um. One thing I did notice is that there, uh, like the, the the table is a whole lot of extra countertop space for yep. like doing stuff, and there is a set of uh, outlets above the table. Mm -hmm. But I think when I used the smoker at uh, the Gingerman Fall event, I tripped the the outside GFCI, and I think it needs to be replaced because I can't reset it. Oh, it does. It keeps popping out. Yep. Okay. And uh, the 110 outlet that's above the table must be on the same circuit Probably. because I can't that that uh, plug no longer works. Did you check? Uh, did you check the breaker? In yeah, the they're all fine. OK, so I, I want to change that outdoor GFCI and see if I can get it so that it uh, like stays reset. Yeah. Um, and see if that'll fix the electric on the inside. But I was yeah. just running extension cords from inside to inside. <laughs> You should have just ran an extension cord to the place you were plugged into. No. <laughs> you don't need to pull everything through the RV. Yeah. Usually at a like a, at Road America and a lot of uh, campgrounds, you'll have you know the 50 and 30 amp power and then two 110 breakers next yep. to it. I just run cords to that and we power everything outside off of that. Yep. So uh, it was super cool to be able to have um, the smoker there cooking stuff yeah. for snack battle. It was super easy yeah. and. Uh, I made what 
15 pounds of pulled pork for, really for snack so, battle. Super good. Yeah, our October event um, at night, the last couple of years, we've because uh, we run late at that one, we ran, we did night racing um, on Saturday in October at Gingerman. And uh, we've done Grid Life snack battle in the barn uh, and then kind of had like a town hall meeting, uh, like talk about next season kind of thing. We've done it the last few years. And people brought out some food in force this year. Yeah, it they was did. Ridiculous. Well, this was, is the I mean, same like with like the, the uh, track day picnic, man. Yeah. Like, you take this these events crazy. and you, you channel all your competitive energy into making yeah. food, and it ends up awesome. Track day picnic last year was a lot of food, but it was like three tables worth. How many tables do you think there were this year? Like fifteen tables. Oh yeah, and it like was crazy. They had the whole hog that they had smoked, and like it was so super good. And they're walking around for two hours trying to pass it all out afterwards, and everybody's like, oh, it's too much. Yeah, Track Day uh, Picnic vibe is super good. good. we got to figure out the date for that. We're actually waiting on potential different dates, so it might not be the same weekend, but I don't want to abandon that event. That's an event I love. We um, uh, yeah, we had like a monster stretch uh, the latter part of this season where it was, was way too many basically like every two weeks we were gone yep. for an event. It was That's insane. really, really hard to maintain a normal life. Uh, like... A lot of people think that like grid life is our only no it's thing. Not. It's Most like, like there's only a couple people that it's what they do full time. Um, so we had um, me and an AEO. I was a, a young guy came up to talk to us. We were at the SEMA booth yesterday, yeah. and uh, he asked us if we were part of the grid life marketing team or like if the the marketing team was going to be here. Yeah, and I like <laughs> the team. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like that? there are like five or six dudes that yeah. just they do everything this is the team yeah there's and not uh, not a lot of people and so like i think people think this is like a massive operation it's like no uh, gary will say that it's it's not even grassroots this is just grass seed yeah it's not very big unfortunately we 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 have the we have the appearance on the outside of being a big operation but it's not so much so um, it, it and that's been kind of the I mean, if there was money to pay more people, um, it, we could get we could do things better and do more things and stuff. But like, we're kind of tapped out. Like, we're maxed out. Like, well, capacity-wise, like, work-wise, uh, it's obviously it's on a much different scale. But you know, this is not all that different than like Formula One circus coming to a place, right? There is a massive amount of things, right. like equipment and box trucks and whatever that have to go from place to place to produce events like this yeah, and. Festivals logistics are actually really hard kind of hard we, so if you want to do an event that. in on the other side of the country it's how do you get all the people and all the stuff there yeah. in a way that's like feasible price-wise it's hard like this event at vegas uh i mean it's like four thousand bucks in hotel rooms and airbnbs and like the same amount in flights and like just everything just costs a ton of money yep uh it's just a it's a money pissing contest here and, that, and every company that that scene was doing that yep but like uh yeah you can't just do track days on the other side of the country because you gotta like bring your team and that cost a bunch of money like we spent like eight grand doing a one-day event at, at california at willow yeah, springs dude. just as like that was a fun event though yeah but it's like it, it was basically to like start building an audience out there but you don't make any money doing that so know? we've been doing we lost um, 10 grand. brackets now for a few years yep. and uh, this man, you are jumping around at topics here. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> talking about streets got me thinking about brackets yeah. and like uh, at, at Road America, we got super good at managing like the run of show for brackets. Yeah, um, my brother made a cool spreadsheet. Yeah, where like things are happening from basically like four sites right. uh, on the track to do stuff, and everybody has to look at the same info and the same data, so everybody's looking at a live document now. It's that super really cool, well. but. That track is not ideal for brackets. No, it's, it's definitely not. not. It's way too big. Spectating is just like you'd think spectating at that track would be really cool, but it's so big that all you see is like cars go wow, like past you in one spot. Pretty and much. You got to drive a mile to the next one. Um, yeah, at best, you get to see one corner. Yeah. Right? At like best. you get a straight or a corner. Yeah, I think there's one spot where you can see two. Like one. Which spot? Uh, if you walk. Uh, like uh, turn where you guys were at for brackets. If you go, th there's like a path right there mm -hmm. where if you, it's just elevated, you can see them coming around one turn. You can see them doing the next turn. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's maybe it. Yeah. So that that spot is challenging for brackets yeah. just because there's there's so much going on. I and don't. I, I will never do brackets at Road, Al Road America ever again. And we tried to use optical timing, which which right, worked. 
but it wasn't ideal. It's was hard. At first, you, they, were, they were missing some some hits. Well, in part, the like the the system is designed for autocross, and yep. the cars are not supposed to trip the timing too close to each other. Right. And so there is an like an automatic two uh, seconds, I think, right? delay. And so if if cars cross the start too soon or cross the finish too close, yep. it just like it got weird. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that was difficult was because it wasn't being captured digitally. We were just reading the times off the display. Yeah. Um, people were asking about their sec uh, sector times, and we were just like, oh, we didn't, we didn't keep track of that. No, because only keeping track of winners. Yep. But no, we'll probably not do it there again. But it did work. It was uh, it was a cool exercise. People liked it to drive and it. And I uh, love that place yeah. mostly because we're just get really getting into motorhoming. And there's so many awesome spots. Yeah, there's some cool RV sites there. And like our date is pretty awesome for that because like really good Wisconsin in late September is pretty yep. awesome. I think if we make it a two-day event, it's financially viable. We had to do three-day because of the brackets, uh, and then there was confusion about what if, if was it ever supposed to be three-day? Was it always supposed to be three-day? Um, it was always planned as a three-day, and Chris announced it wrong, and then changed it later, and. Yeah, that was a it was an expensive event uh, for us to put on, but I think if we do it next year, it's a two day event. It's a straight up track battle event. And Some big car like car shows, car meet elements really celebrate the uh, the Saturday night hang. camping vibe. That yeah, was so fun. So that like super up, fun. we went up the hill, um, kind of near turn above one. Above the garages, yeah. It was above the garages, and Levi had his new RV there, up there. There was a couple people, up and there. that spot was super that, cool. That's the good RV spot up there. Unfortunately, you have to walk up there to get there, but that's true. It was we did we had a pretty good spot too, right by the uh, the roundabout there. And Road America has like the yeah. cleanest showers of they, anywhere. They do, they do. Seems like both uh, Blackhawk and Road America are like sponsored by Kohler or something, so yeah. their their facilities are amazing. Very nice <laughs> facilities. Yeah. yeah, no, that was a that was a, that's a cool place to be at, uh, especially once we started getting the feel and the flow of like working with the track staff. There's yep. o there's always like growing pains with working with the new track staff but well, and i um, think that's one of the challenges of working with any pro circuit is like there there's an expectation way of, of doing it yeah. this is the way we do it right. and and some of what makes grid life work is just like being flexible and fluid mm -hmm. and like kind of rolling with it yeah and and so you there's um there's like a period of dating almost where you really yeah. just need to get to know each other by saturday we we had a really good flow with road america friday there was some battling it also helps that gary buys us credibility wherever we go yeah gary because he's like saturday he's like old guard you know like <laughs> yeah. he's been around and so he's yeah when gary walks in uh gary's on the show i don't know a year ago or so when gary walks into race control like he, he holds people court. just chill out he when holds he's around court a little bit yeah i mean he's he's gonna be like he's been race control for like imsa and PwC and like he's done race control everywhere. Uh, he's got stories out the ears. Right now he's in Nepal, just hanging out. Like he's, he's a, he lives a crazy life. But uh, yeah, and when, and when you're dealing with like a seasoned veteran, like uh, like at Road America, it's like two seasoned veteran guys. They have their way of doing it. Like they're not they don't want to work with me, but they worked with Gary. Yeah, it's know? true. Um, they they were like literally looking down on me uh, at first. Like, what do you know? Like. Well, this is how we're gonna do it. What was it on Friday? We you know we're we having talk about. It. <laughs> we had uh, basically they they had told me no, you can't run the configuration that uh, this Friday morning, uh, twenty minutes for a drivers meeting. No, you can't run the kink. No, you can't do that. Like, oh, and no, you can't run wheel to wheel. And you can't do wheel to wheel. Uh, and time trials can't pass anywhere. Everything's got to be like they basically only wanted us to host an HPDE. Uh, and we weren't doing that. <laughs> like the sales team knew all about it. We told them. I told them exactly what we're doing, and like that that uh, ball got uh, that message got uh, lost in translation somewhere. But I think one yeah. of the things that we need to do going forward is uh, just basically have like a separate meeting, uh, motorsports side with uh, race controls. I thought I did that. Just to make sure <laughs> that everybody's. But cool. now I got race controls phone numbers. So. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's just the growing pains of not having really run. We we did like an HPD half a day there one time, but we weren't actually doing anything. I was just running grid basically, so I didn't know anybody. And it's it was that was four years ago, so it was different staffing. And, um, but yeah, it uh, you just got a communication and letting them know, letting the track know what you're doing and asking for their input and just building the best event that you can do trackside. So uh, I spent a, a little time in the gift shop because, like, Road America has the best merch 
of heard, any track that I've ever been there. to. It's amazing. All of their stuff is super <laughs> I cool. I never got a chance. Um, and I spent like, I don't know, 20 minutes sweet talking the uh, the staff there, yeah. and they were like super stoked on us. They're so very nice people. They're very nice. They're once you, I mean, there's very, there was there was very few people there that I wouldn't want to hang out with any time. Like, yeah. everybody I met was nicer than the next. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you really got to track side. You really got to work with whoever's running the event. If you're not the, pr- if I'm not the person running the actual race control, like that's the person you got to work with the most in yep. order to get the flow and the feel out of the event. Everybody else there, I mean, like safety and wrecker and everything was, they're ridiculously good. They are good, uh, really but they fast. also were like really particular about some stuff. Oh yeah. Cleaning the pit lane. Yeah. Like yeah. having any oil on pit lane ended up like red flagging sessions, which was Weird. Very strange, yeah. Um, but some interesting things that, uh, uh, yeah, it probably doesn't happen all the time, but whatever. Uh, yeah, that they didn't charge us five thousand bucks like people like Coda would have charged, but that's true uh, for oil cleanup. But it wasn't wasn't too far off. But they also had like the equipment necessary to get it so done fast. super fast. Yeah, they didn't mess around. It's not like some of the other tracks we go to where you need drivers to run out with uh, their shoes and their, you know, drag their feet on the ground to get it to to blend in. Uh, I've talked with (laughs) with Gary about building our own like pickup truck mounted uh, oil dry spreader and uh, scrubber. Um, It's (laughs) just too much work. And then it's one more thing I got to transport. But. Like basically for ginger men. You need to find a way to do it yeah. for with just like have the tiny van. What I, what I should actually do is just build one and leave it at ginger men because that's like where I want the it. place <laughs> where you need it. <laughs> Everybody else has a solution. Charge them rent to use it. Yeah, I'll just leave it with Joe. But um, yeah, for Midwest Festival, like if you get a bo- big oil cleanup, like they're just not prepared for it. Yep. You know, I mean, they've got well, and they've got like fifty percent of the stuff. Uh, but I, I think that's one of the challenges of running a kind of uh, a big and high profile event like that is when you get cars that are, all of them are super competitive. Yeah. Uh, they're built to the limit, and uh, you're just gonna have cars that have issues sometimes. Things are gonna blow up. And yeah. especially when you have that many drivers that are seriously competing yeah. to try and set records. Um. So yeah, like. Oil cleanups and, and track cleanups are just they're just a thing. The worst one actually was the first year, but uh, first year festival, we you know you weren't there. We had an entire the entire back straight was oiled down first session of the Ugh. event. I feel like such a loser because I didn't get involved at all until Grid Life Three, and yeah, you, you and Chris and like the rest of the crew have been doing this track stuff for like twenty years. This will be our seventeenth year coming up, seventeenth so. season. So. Anyway, well, I'm sick of talking, and we're rambling. Yeah. I think we made a show. Good enough. Good enough. I think it can be uh, uh, probably a C-Class Citizens, too. That's probably a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> Sorry to all you uh, track day buddies. That, well, uh, if that you're a track day buddy like and RVs. you don't want a motorhome, you're blowing it. Yeah, you're not hardcore enough. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta immerse. You gotta you gotta dip yourself deeper into this hobby if uh, if you don't lust for an RV. But uh, anyway, uh, we're we're about eight hours away or uh, seven hours away from producing another event here. So. I've got to go get Ashley some Funyuns, which means about an hour on the monorail and a yeah. stop at the drugstore. So, All right. well, have fun, man. See you, dude. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello. Hello.